Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Oh, Chris, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> also, you guys can take a seat. How cool is this morning? There are so many people here. This, I'm stoked. This is great. But um, I just wanted to draw a bit more attention to what's going on, because if you're new or you haven't been here long, you might be wondering, what's going on? Why are we throwing cookies across the stage? And, and why have we got, you know, 12-year-olds bringing offering words? But you know what? It's so cool, because this is what we do every single week behind that wall. We've got another hall. Um, and some of you, if you don't have kids, you, you might not even know that we run a, a kids' church ministry or, or what goes on. Um, but the whole point of this morning was to show you guys how important and valuable our kids are. And I love them so much. And I know that every one of our leaders has such a passion um, for all of our kids um, and a passion for them to grow um, in God and to grow in their faith because no one's too young for Jesus. Like he, he didn't come and say, righto, when you're you know, out of primary school, then you get to meet Jesus. No, he said, you know, I have childlike faith. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't, don't throw them away. Don't um, underestimate them um, as people um, of God. Um, so yeah, that's basically why we do Kids Church is to grow the future of the church because, you know, these little kids who you look at and you're like, oh, they're five, they're six, seven, they're going to grow up. And in five years time, they could be leading. Like Grace, some of our singers, a bunch of the people who've been up on stage they just came out of kids' church, but they're leading kids and they're influencing them, building relationships and helping them um, to, to reach with God and meet with God. Um, so, yeah, I just want to encourage you not, not to underestimate what we do. It's not, it's not babysitting. Um, it's so much more. Um, and I've got a verse just about that before we get into the message. And it's in Proverbs 22, verse 6. And it says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. I think that's kind of um, what we lead by. Um, and I, I see this importance because it's my testimony. I grew up in kids' church and I know that I don't remember every message we did. I, I certainly remember some of the crazy games and things. But I do know that that, that grew me in my faith. And, and that's why I'm standing here today because of my amazing kids' pastors and, and leaders that I had um, throughout, you know, my, my childhood. Um, and I actually had the chance to meet up with my first kids pastor um, as soon as I kind of stepped into this role of kids pastor here. Um, I was in Queensland at, at, a, at a kids pastor's event um, and he had no idea that the little five-year-old, six, seven-year-old girl that I was, that he couldn't tell apart between me and Steph. He was just like, there's two of them. Um, he, like, he had no idea that, that some of the words and, and the encouragement that he spoke over me um, has stayed with me and that was a big influence um, in me stepping into this role. So, yeah, again, I just want to, I can't say it enough, don't underestimate children. And, and so our kids and our voltage as well, um, that takes our year four, five, six um, on a Friday night, same thing. It's, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys to get behind the kids' ministry. Um, if you have kids, make sure you're bringing them along to church because it's a great, great chance to speak into their lives um, and to make friends and fellowship as well. Um, and pick up your kids' friends and 
bring them along. Just be like, hey, you can hang out with us on Sunday. Pick them up, bring them here, go out for lunch. It's a great chance to, yeah, to grow together. All right. That's my little plug for kids, uh, kids Church done. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to, before I start, does anybody remember what our memory verse was? Think back, it was probably 40 minutes ago. Yeah, do you, have, do you think you remember it? Do you want to jump up and see if you can try? Oh, you've forgotten. Have, a, have another quick thing. Do any of our adults remember? Oh, <laughs> all right, Steph, you're up. You're up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, this might be cheating because she, she kind of knows. All right, so no, you can't read. <laughs> what is it? Okay, well, I remember what verse it was. I don't know if I'll get it right, though. There's Esther 414. Um, <laughs> no, it's gone. Yeah, it is. It's Esther 414, which says, no, I forgot. I, I remember the last bit. Okay. <laughs> So, it's the second part of it. So, so who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. I just remember there's such a time as this because it's the best bit. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Give her a clap. Well done. She's so embarrassed that I made her do that. No, but um, just before I get, get a bit further, um, I just want to tell you the reason why we do memory verses because you might think it's strange. We don't usually test you um, in church. We just assume you, you're getting what you're getting. Um, I reckon we should too. We do it in kids' church. And um, Steph, you can get a prize after because you, you stepped up. Um, but the reason that we do this is because what we've got in our hearts is what comes out of our mouths. So there's another verse in Luke 6 verse 45. And it says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil sort up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the reason that we try and get our kids to remember verses and to remember stories is because that's what's going to come out when they're talking to their friends and when they're at school. So that's why we've done that this morning. It's a, it's a bit different, but it's good because if we remember it, we're going to be like, you know what? You were made for such a time as this. You were put into this place for such a time as this um, to act and to step out. Um, so yeah, that was perfect. Well done, Steph. Good job um, reading. <laughs> so um, as you might be able to guess, I'm going to be talking about Esther for a couple of minutes this morning. Um, this is probably my all-time favorite Bible story other than um, the story of Jesus saving us. Um, and I can tell you the first time that I heard this story, it was actually through this little book here. We had a whole set of, I don't know, maybe 30 books like this. And this is the very first time that I think I heard Esther. Um, so basically it rhymes and it's got really pretty illustrations. And so you can see like pretty colors. Anyway, the whole way through it's rhyming and it tells the story of Esther. And I remember falling in love with the story and, and what I could get out of that even when I was a child. Um, and sin since I was very young, it's always been my, my go-to story because I can relate um, to her story. Um, and if you don't know it, I'm going to give you a paraphrased version because there's a fair bit happens. It's only a short book in the Bible, but God can do a lot in a short period of time, hey? All right. So this is a story of how someone acted out of faith um, and didn't act or react out of fear, even though you'll see in a second um, that she had every right to have been fearful and scared and to 
sit back and stand back and not step out um, into her purpose and her, her position. Um, and this is all going to link back to our Reach Out series. So all our adults, I know we've been doing it in here for the past three or four weeks, but you may not know that we've also been doing Reach Out in kids' church and in youth. So this is going throughout our whole church, um, which is pretty cool. So you can be talking to your kids and they'll know what you're saying about Reach Out because we have our own lists. Um, so basically, this is the story. It's set in Persia, which is a country, um, and there's... <laughs> surprise. Um, and there was the king whose name was Xerxes, and he was married to this beautiful woman named Vashti, and she was the queen. And who loves a good party? Like, birthday party, Christmas party, all sorts of parties. We ran a, a bridal shower yesterday for my soon-to-be sister-in-law, um, and a lot of work goes into it, and it's a lot of fun. But this party that the king threw lasted for seven days. Whoa. I would be partied out by the end of day one. Um, but that even was following a big celebration which lasted for 180 days. So that's like half a year of party. So we should, we should do that next year. Host one like at each house. No. Uh, but this was a crazy awesome party. Um, and on the last night of the banquet, he asked his servant to go and get his queen to come into the banquet, put a pretty crown on and show off how beautiful she was because he was the most powerful man and that was his wife. But she said, no, nah, I'm not coming. I am holding a banquet for all the women in the palace. So she refused to come. And Xerxes got angry. He was like, uh-uh, I'm the king. You do what I say. So he banished her, said, all right, I'm done with you, Vashti. You're not going to do what I want. You're gone. So she was banished. And that's the end of her story here. Um, but then that left the king with no wife. And you know that a king needs a queen. Um, so he was advised to find a new queen. So all of the single young women, um, all the, you know, yeah, single young women, uh, were brought to the palace and they were pampered and given beauty treatments for not just like a day or two, it was months. Like they were given, I don't know, facials, massages, haircuts, perfume, all the things you could possibly imagine. Um, they were, I'm pretty sure it went for pretty much a year I think it was six months in one place and six months in another. Um, and then they were given one chance to impress the king and possibly become his new bride. So this is where Esther comes in. If you remember, that's the title of the book. Uh, so she's the main character. But she was a single young woman in Persia. So she was brought to the palace to be one of the women that could become queen. Now, she had a pretty interesting backstory. Um, she was an orphan, which means that she didn't have any parents. And so she was raised by one of her cousins whose name was Mordecai. And he gets important in a minute. So anyway, she was brought in to the palace and she hid one thing from everyone. She didn't tell anyone that she was a Jew. That was a secret that she and Mordecai kept to themselves. So anyway, she was given her one chance to impress the king. And she did. She won the pageant. Um, it wasn't really a pageant, but that's how it comes across. Um, and so she became the new queen of Persia, uh, which is pretty cool. It's kind of a Cinderella story, hey, coming from orphan background, becomes the queen, marries the king, uh, which is pretty amazing for her. Um, so went along, all was good. A couple of years later, the second in command of the country, whose name was Haman, and this is where the 
dark, like evil music comes in because he's the bad guy. Everyone knows there's going to be a good guy and a bad guy. Uh, and that was Haman. So he came in and he was second in command to the king. Um, and so he could pretty much put in place whatever he wanted. So he said, when I walk past, everyone is going to bow down to me because I'm important. And I think he probably had a pretty big head. Um, so when he was walking around, everyone would bow down and kneel down to Haman. But one person wouldn't. And that was Mordecai, who, if we remember, was the cousin who brought up Esther. He refused to bow because he, he was a Jew and he believed that he only bowed to God and wouldn't bow to Haman, who was Haman anyway. Um, so Haman got angry and Haman's people already hated the Jews. They, they weren't, weren't friends and Mordecai was known as Mordecai the Jew. So he set a decree that all of the Jews in Persia, instead of just Mordecai getting punished, all of the Jews in Persia would be killed dun, 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 <laughs> on this one specific day that was coming up. So that would be the end of the whole race of people. He told the king, they're not doing your laws, so we've got to get rid of them. When really, it was just Mordecai wouldn't bow for no reason. So what does that mean for Esther? We all remember that Esther was a Jew and she's the queen. So does that mean that she just naturally gets out of it because she's the queen? It actually doesn't because the law set couldn't be undone. That's the way that it worked back in those days. So she was in big trouble too. She was like, I'm going to be killed too, even though I'm queen. So she had two choices. Number one, not, not let anyone know that she was a Jew, like hide out in her royal chambers and, you know, keep it secret and let everyone else die and she'd be fine with her jewels and her dresses and, you know, no harm done to her. And the second was to go and speak to the king and be like, hey, can we not do this um, with my crown? Um, but in Persia, there was another law. There's so many laws in this book. But no one could just go up to the king and be like, hey, buddy, let's talk. That wasn't a thing that could happen. You had to be asked in front of the king or you'd be killed. So even the queen, even the queen. And Esther hadn't seen him in 30 days. He, he didn't ask for her for 30 days so she was like, I am not sure what to do. And this is where our memory verse comes in. Because Mordecai, her cousin, wrote to her and said, Oops. and said, bang! <laughs> that really scared me. Okay, let's get focused. Um, <laughs> okay, so back on track, Mordecai wrote to Esther and said, if you don't speak up now, we will somehow get help. The Jews will somehow get help. But you and your family will die. It could be that you were made queen for such a time as this. Which, as you can remember, is our memory verse. See, it ties in. Um, for such a time as this. And other versions say it could be that you came to your position for such a time as this. And that's something that we're going to be talking about today. So Esther went away. And said, all right, I've got to decide what to do. So she asked all of the Jews in the city to fast and pray with her for three days. And on the third day, when they hadn't eaten, they'd been praying for three days, she said, all right, I'm going to go and see the king. So she got all dressed up, did her makeup, put on her finest dresses and went to the throne room. And remember, you're not allowed to do this. 
she was fearful for her life because this could be the end and then she couldn't help the Jews or it could work. So she dressed up and she went up to the throne room and the king sitting on the throne having a grand old time looked out and saw her standing there and he did one thing. He held out his golden scepter, which means, I pardon you, you're allowed to come forward. And this didn't happen very often at all. So she was allowed to come forward and talk to him instead of pretty much everyone else would have been taken away and killed for daring to come up, you know, before the king without being asked. Anyway, so King Xerxes said, what is your request? I will give it to you even if it is half of the kingdom, which is, it was a big kingdom. Um, But Esther knew it wasn't the right time to ask to save her and her people. So she said instead, King Xerxes and Haman, why don't you come and have dinner tonight? I'm going to throw a feast um, and we'll just have dinner. And Haman was like, yep, I'm going to have, you know, dinner with the king and queen. I'm pretty important. He's already got everyone bowing down to him and now he's having a private dinner function. He's, he's pretty, pretty happy with that. He go, it says the Bible says he goes back and he boasts to his family and his friends about how important he must be to be invited as the only other guest. So anyway, they all rock up to the feast. And again, the king says, Esther, what do you want? I'll give you anything up to half of my kingdom. And Esther says, I can't tell you right now. Come again to dinner tomorrow night. So Haman goes, yes, second dinner. This is amazing. I must be pretty special. So they turn up again. All the food is laid out. They have a lovely time. And the king says, Esther, what is your request? I will give you anything up to half of my kingdom. And Esther says, if I've pleased you, if it pleases you, let my life and the life of my people be spared, for we have been sold to be slaughtered. Well, she came out and said it. This was terrifying because he didn't even know she was a Jew. She didn't know this. And the king says, who's, kill- who's going to do this? Who's going to kill you and your people? And she says, Haman, you gave, you gave him the ring to sign off the law, but Haman is doing it. And the king got mad. Remember when he got mad last time Vashti was gone? This time he got so mad. And so he got rid of Haman uh, it says that they covered his face and took him away and that signaled the end of Haman, which is pretty doomy and gloomy, but that's what happened. Um, and so Esther had finally said this, but the law was still in place and a law sealed with the king's signet could not be undone. So Esther is still like, what? Like, we still have to save me and my people. And so the story ends by the king allowing Esther to write a new law that says the Jews can fight back because before they weren't allowed to, everyone was just going to kill them all on this one day and take all of their stuff. But now this one said that, you know, we don't really want to kill them anymore so you can fight back and you can, you know, take the stuff and the Jews will be okay. Um, And so that meant that then the Jews were saved from this massacre that it was meant to be. But what I want to focus on is what it took Esther to reach that point of fulfilling the plan for her life. Um, And in amongst this story, there's all sorts of different other things that go on, like Mordecai um, overheard a conspiracy against the king and then saved him, and then Haman had to lead him around, um, honouring him even though he hated Mordecai. Um, So I encourage you to read the story. It's not very long, but there's more to it that we don't have time for today. But 
In Esther's role, we can see so clearly that God put her in a position where she could fulfill his plan um, by playing her part. Lots of Ps. Um, there are our points. So God has a plan. God puts us in our position and we have to play our part. So God obviously, we believe, knows, knows what's coming. He, he has a plan for the world and he has a plan for us. And we know this because in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, and most of you will know this verse, but it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So we know that God has a bigger plan for us than we could even really imagine. He knew what Haman was going to do. He knew Mordecai wouldn't bow. He knew Haman would get angry. He knew that Haman would try to get rid of Mordecai. And he knew that he would bring that on to all of the Jews instead. So God knew what this whole big plan was. But God also had a plan to deliver them from this. Isn't that cool? God could save a whole race. Um, So he... Um, orchestrated all of the events that surrounded Esther to bring her to this point in time so that she could act. Um, You know, he got rid of Vashti in a nice way. She was just sent away. Um, Esther was chosen as a new queen out of, I don't know how many young women, but I would say a lot. Um, And and she she got favour from the king. Those are things that didn't happen. Didn't happen. Like, she shouldn't have had all of that go right for her. But just like Esther, we were born for such a time as this, for the place that we are now. God has a plan for us. Um, and as Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. God didn't want the Jews to suffer. He didn't want that to happen. But because of free will and all that kind of stuff, it does happen. But he has a plan to deliver us where it's needed. Um, and so he uses extraordinary people Oh, sorry, ordinary people for extraordinary results. Esther was an orphan. She didn't have parents. She had probably not a great upbringing just being brought up by her cousin. Um, so she was just an ordinary person who achieved amazing things by saving all of her people. How cool is that? So that's God has a plan. So we all need to know that um, and keep that in mind. And in that plan, God puts us into our position exactly where we're supposed to be. So imagine if Esther just stayed that orphan living with her cousin. Would she have had any say, do you reckon? No? So do you think she could go in front of the king and he'd let her speak to, to, speak to him? I don't think so. Um, actually, I, I know that wouldn't happen uh, because those were the rules. Um, so God made sure that Esther was in the right position. And that's why I love this verse so much where it says... Um, It could be that you came to your position for such a time as this. Because we do. Our positions, maybe none of us in here are queens, none of us are kings. That would be cool, but we're not. But we all have positions in different places. All our kids, you guys all go to school, right? So you guys have a position in your class and in your friendship groups, hey? Yeah, you do. Or in your sports teams or for the adults if you're working. You have a position in your job, in, in your um, places that you go to, in your um, families. We all have a position where kids, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, um, we all have a position and that's not by accident because God has a plan and he's put us in those places for a reason. Um, and throughout the Bible, 
We see so many other examples of God putting people into position so that they can fulfill that purpose. So think about, for one, Joseph. He went through, you know, one or two trials, um, or a fair few. Um, But ultimately, that led to him finding a high position and being able to help um, the whole land and all the people through famine. Like, he, he was sold as a slave, and God put him into a better position. But even when he was a slave and when he was in jail and all sorts of things, everyone can still act in those positions. Um, yeah, and sometimes we don't understand our positions. Sometimes it seems like coincidence or fate or something is bringing us to something. Um, but I don't believe that. I believe that that's God acting to put us where we need to be. Um, I can definitely think of examples where I've been places where I need to be, even just to have a conversation about God and about my faith. Um, even at uni at the moment, I just happened to turn out to be in a group with someone that was in my class last semester. And we had this cool conversation about God. He doesn't believe in God and I'm not good at socialising. So it just happened that we already had somewhat of a relationship and it came up in my class, something about leadership. And I was like, I'm a kid's pastor. And he was like, what's that? So it was cool. So that's a position that I couldn't have guessed would happen. um, But I did. And that's a little thing. But you never know what that might lead to in future conversations or future thoughts um, for that guy in my class. So I want you all to take one second and just maybe a few seconds to think about what positions you're in. Think about the people around you. Think about where you've come from and where you are now and where you're headed. Maybe it's a coincidence. More likely, God has a plan for you in that position. So has everyone had a quick think? Cool. Because this is all our reach out. Think about the people around you. We can reach out to those people. But God's put us in a position for his plan, but that means nothing if we're not willing to play our part. Hey? So if Esther, remember she had two choices, speak to the king or pretend it would all just go away and that she wasn't a Jew. But she decided to play her part. Before she did that, though, it's a really important thing that I might have skipped over a little bit. But she made a choice to fast and to pray. And I think that's possibly one of the key, key parts of this whole story, is that she didn't just do it. She took the time to talk to God and to get other people to support her in this action. And sometimes we don't have time to do that in our day-to-day lives and experiences. But in this case, she did. And, and that helped her. And I, I believe that God heard her prayers for faith and for, to, to step out of the fear and into her faith that she could actually do what needed to be done. Um, so I want to challenge everyone. Don't hide when opportunities arise because it's so easy to be like, someone else will do it. Someone, someone else can fix that problem. But if we're in that position, that's, that's our part to play. And I know next to nothing about sport. But say, for example, you're in a sporting team. If you're, not, if you're in position, but you're not willing to take or play your part to kick the ball or throw it or sport, um, <laughs> probably a bad example, but that's okay. Then who else is going to do it? Like other people can't do it. Say in, in netball, the people up the other end can't throw it if you're the goal shooter. 
That's a position, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's just like in life. We're put in our position. We need to stay there and to play our part. Um, so, what will your choice be when an opportunity arises? I want to challenge you with that. Think of who's on your reach out list. Remember, these are our friends or the people that we know, the people we work with, our teachers, the people we go to school with. What are they... What are you going to do when an opportunity arises to say, this is what I believe and this is what my Bible says and, like, this is what God wants you to know? Um, It's not our responsibility to save people, but it's our responsibility to bring people to a place where they can encounter God by by telling them about him. Um, I've got one more verse um, and it's, we actually talked about it at youth the other night, which was cool. Um, and it's in Matthew 5, and it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So with that, why, why would we not try to flavour the places that we are with the goodness that we have inside us, which is Jesus? Why would we not step out and show that to people? Otherwise, Jess was talking the other night, and it was great, Jess, youth. Um, but why would we let things be bland? Why would we not step out and reach out to the people that we know, just like Esther did? Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. So, remember, think of the people on your list. This is a challenge. Think about the position you're in. Think about the plan that God has for you. And get, get willing and get prepared to play your part in his plan. Is that cool? Yeah? So just think of Esther for such a time as this. Awesome. Hey, uh, didn't she do well? Hey, so good. Sherry, so, so people know what you do. Tell them what your uni degrees are that you're doing at the moment. Um, I'm currently studying a double degree in business and law. So I'm third year now. And what do you do in your spare time? <laughs> You work part-time? Yeah, so I I work part-time. I'm a barista and decorator at Donut King, which is fun. Best best job. (laughs) And she does a great job as our kids' pastor. Um, I I just want to esteem Sherry today. Just what a great job she is doing. Um, You know, it's it's a thankless job sometimes. You know, um, we're just happy to get the kids out of here sometimes because they're jumping around and making a mess and and all that. And... uh, and these guys love them. Could I have the team? Could the, could the kids' team come up on stage? All the kids' leaders, could you come up on stage? Come on, all of you. If you do, if you lead kids' church, come on, come up on stage, quick. That's awesome. That's awesome. And there's a few away today as well, which uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, can we stand as a church? Can we pray for these guys this morning? We've got a bit of time. So. Um, how about you lift your hands to these guys and we'll pray for them, hey? Father, we thank you, God, for our kids' leaders. God, we thank you for Sherry. We thank you for every single one of them here, God. We thank you for the anointing upon them, for their commitment to kids' ministry, to all that they do for our children, for our kids here in this place, God. We thank you so much that these guys care about our kids. They care about our children. They care. They, they, they care about God enough to actually sow into lives. And God, we thank you so much for each and every one of them. God, we ask for your... 
Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.